So change is something that we all have to deal with, right? Um, and I think today what I want to talk about is just inevitably unpacking some of that change and, and some of the top things that you must do to communicate the change, to um, pretty much support your organization through that change in an employee's first uh, way and mindset. Um, I haven't fully prepared a, a top 10 list, though I am going to be doing that. But today what I want to share is kind of the top three things that I think is really important. And I'm not sure if managers, leaders, executives inside of companies, again, you guys know me, small businesses, startups especially, are learning these things. I just don't, I'm just not sure if they're learning these things. I'm not sure if they're applying um, these things. So the first thing, always understand the elements in which the teams and individuals would like to have the change communicated to them. Always keep in mind the communication needs and preferences will range will range. It'll be very different per person. And if you do not have the empathy for those ranges, the impact can be negative in a way that will significantly impact the engagement. Let me unpack that for a minute. What I mean by that is if you are not, number one, just understanding that empathy is a dangerous motherfucker. And I hate to drop the motherfucker word, but I just have to do it. Empathy is such a beast. Empathy can save marriages. Empathy can save friendships. Empathy can, um, empathy can do a lot. Empathy is a crazy, crazy, crazy thing, and it's something that is completely underrated. So that's just a, a thing. And so for me, every single person that I work with, they need to understand the power of empathy, and they need to understand how to strategically um, execute against empathy. So that's just at a macro. But getting back to this tip, utilizing that strategic empathy. You know, when you're running a team of 50, 75, 100, 250, whatever the case is going to be, I guarantee you each person inside of teams within your startup today have certain preferences, have certain expectations around how they would like change communicated. I've talked about this at scale and I'm going to talk about it again. My fiance is one that does not like change being communicated out of nowhere. Like if change is going to be communicated, if change is going to occur, she wants it to be done and rolled out in a process that is very slow, very methodical, very patient. And that's a very important thing to do. I know other people like myself, you can throw a change at me at 3 a.m. in the middle of the night that will dramatically impact the rest of my life. And I will find a way to push through within 34 seconds. I know other folks appreciate an email. I know other folks appreciate a phone call. I know other folks need a meeting. I know other folks need details within the change around what that means for them in that exact moment so they can actually process it 34 seconds later. The punchline is the following. It is your job as an organization and my top 10 list, and the reason why I put this at number one is that you need to understand and have empathy for the ranges. When I say ranges, the complexities of all the humans that are within your teams of how they want to hear, appreciate, and receive that change from a communication perspective. The needs and the preferences. You have to know that. Now, how do you know that? You need to know what the organization at a macro would like that communication and the preferences there. That can be done in a survey. So if you have a company of 200, you can literally do this at the top of the year, the middle of the year, each quarter. Say, look, guys, if, um, if there's going to be anything that we're rolling out, that's going to change anything. How would you like that change to be communicated to you guys at a macro? And inevitably, you're just looking to get an overall consensus number of the percentages on each side. 
So some folks may say, hold a fireside chat meeting for the whole organization via Zoom chat. Some folks may say, roll out a, a pretty comprehensive email with all the data and all the input. And whatever the whatever the percentage is going to be across the ranges, and excuse me for the birdies here, hope you guys like that background noise, um, they may give you some feedback and you need to take that feedback at a macro. And then at a, at a micro level, it's important for you to understand as a leader and as an organization how to teach your managers to extrapolate that data and extract that information within the teams they run. So when they run a team of eight or 12 or 15, it's important to teach them how to go about having contextual conversations to understand at the top of the year, each quarter, each month, whatever the case is going to be, how each person individually would like certain changes that could potentially impact them and their role, how they would like that change to be communicated. So that's the number one. That was number one for me. Number two for me, always be honest about the gray and the bad regarding the change. Make sure, the, make sure you unpack the honesty around how it may affect the organization at a macro. And then again, teach managers of how to articulate honestly the gray and the bad for the individual teams. So this is a little bit different than the first. The first is just macro understandings of the communication, how folks would actually like to receive it, the packaging of the information. The second is the honesty aspect, the gray and or the negative. So... And essentially, bottom line, if you know some bad shit is coming, if you know there's a little bit of a gray area here that you as an organization are, are still not tr- truly clear on, you need to teach your managers and then you as an organization at the macro need to be very secure with yourselves of how to communicate that and be honest about the details of why it's negative, of why it's bad. I remember in my early years, I was um, doing some marketing advising and some partnership design for a restaurant. And the restaurant was going to go through a transition. There was another group coming in and buying the rights, right? The IP of the restaurant. And inevitably, the restaurant was going to shut down. Now, I had insider trading around that. And at the time, I was not in the HR space like I am now. And so I didn't kind of step out and say anything. But what I realized they did, looking back, is they did not communicate the reality, the truth, the honesty of the change. They were literally telling employees that everything is going to be okay. There will be some slight adjustments, but no one will lose their job. No one will be significantly impacted. Everything is going to be all right, but there are going to be some changes that will be difficult to withstand. That was communicated in an email. That was communicated at an individual level by managers to employees. And then I remember literally one day, the next shift, I believe it was the 11 a.m. shift. They came in to open up and get ready for the uh, for the after for the lunch, and um, the doors were closed. The doors were closed, and they didn't receive an email until six days later that they no longer had their jobs, and their next check, their last check, would be mailed to them. And thank you for all of their, you know, for all of their hard work over the years. So clearly, right. The change was not communicated honestly. Now, how does that impact the brand? That impacts the brand because now you have negative employer branding occurring. So now you have any human being that is connected at the executive level or the ownership level or or behind the scenes of the brand, employer branding, what you think about when you hear Fleet Street, that was the name of the the, the restaurant, 
What do you think of when you hear an Apple? What do you think of when you hear a Microsoft? What do you think of when you hear the name KT Tate? And I'm just looking around here. What do you think about when you hear Amazon? Right? The brand, the employer branding that is connected to it, which is connected to why folks maybe or may not want to go to that company. I guarantee any human being that comes across any of those employees that were then shunned out of the organization in the middle of the night, like the 1974 Colts, Baltimore, if you guys know that reference, football, they will not say great things. And so that's not good. Number three, always allow for negative feedback and always have systems to review that feedback with third parties if needed to remove bias. The biggest thing that I love to see organizations do is when they try to roll out change, the biggest tell that I have is this is a great culture if this is led by great leaders, is how they, not only how they communicate it, the packaging of it, not only if they're being completely honest, but if they actually have a system in place to open up their hearts to create a 45-minute window, 30-minute window, email channels, Asana port, I don't give a shit how you do it, but they have a system in place where they allow the feedback to come. And when they allow the feedback to come, they're all trained. The managers are trained to withstand that negative feedback. And they take that negative feedback and they actually have systems, times within the week, times within the day, times within the month to review the negative feedback and to think honestly. And that's why I said potentially even bringing in a third party to unpack the feedback around Maybe how the change could have been communicated differently, how the change maybe affected them or employees saying, look, I appreciate this change here in this marketing initiative or I appreciate the change here to completely, you know, kill this service or I appreciate the change here to potentially buy this company and the negative impact or the positive impact that it will have. But here's my point of view. And great organizations allow that point of view to come into the organization, come into the minds of the leaders and to actually have a moment to unpack the nuances of that change and to make a strong decision around if this change is actually valuable enough, thorough enough to be implemented against. Bad organizations, bad cultures, in my personal opinion, are led by leaders where they hear that negative impact, that feedback, and they look back at the employee in a negative way in a condescending way, in a demeaning way, and say, you don't have all the context, essentially get the hell out of my office. And they may say that a little bit more in a friendly way, but the outcome and the impact remains the same. Give your people a moment to share their thoughts, their opinions, and actually have a standard process in place. Post that feedback for you to sit down and listen and really dissect the feedback and find a way to utilize it. And you may not find a way to utilize it, but at least you gave yourself a chance to find a way to utilize it. I'll give you guys a very quick story. We're a little over on time right now because I have another meeting here in eight minutes. But let me just give you this quick story. Beyond brand, you guys know it. You guys have heard me talk about it. Beyond brand merged with Sotosig. There was a really difficult conversation that was being had where the, the bones... Of, of Beyond Brand, the agreement was to take the bones and transfer it into Sojo. 
Now, there was a time where these founder, the CEO of Sojo, wanted to start shifting and changing the bones. And, uh, and that wasn't fun. That wasn't fun. We didn't like that. We didn't want that. And so inevitably, what, um, what occurred, and I'm thinking here because it's, I, I want to be careful of how I communicate this. There was a difficult conversation that was had. And for a second there, both sides, a.k.a. the founders and the leaders within Sojo, and then myself and some of my partners on the back end, we were not empathetic enough, patient enough, honest enough, appreciative enough, excited enough to hear each other out and hear the feedback. We did not build in time to assess the validity of the feedback. We immediately both got defensive. And that was wrong of me, that was wrong of them. Inevitably, we then look back at our notes that we all know and love since we're all in this space. And we remembered that we need to have a moment to sit sit down and unpack and understand the feedback. And so here's my point. During that particular moment and then at a macro level, we inevitably heard each other, came to an agreement, understood the complexities of what we were actually saying. Because the way the brain is designed is if you go off of your first reaction, you're going off of what you only have in your memory banks. And you may have thoughts, memories that are connected inside of your memory banks that are not so good. It could be connected to the way that information was delivered because that's the way your mom used to deliver it or your set your dad used to deliver it or a bad girlfriend or boyfriend experience used to deliver that feedback. You may be someone that's made so many mistakes in your life and finally you're just looking for someone to, to hear you out. Now this is yet another time no one's heard you out. There are a lot of things that happen in the brain that we can never understand. But the punchline is this. You have to build in that time for the feedback because when you build in the time for the feedback, you are utilizing back and forth data that is new, that is fresh. And you are extracting and putting the memory bank feedback and thoughts and perspectives to the side. And you want to go off of the new. That's how you live into a world of diversity. That's how you live into a world of equity. That's how you live into a world of inclusion. That's how you live into a world where the best and the new ideas of how to make a product or a service better. So, just a few thoughts, just a few perspectives. Could be crazy. I really don't think I am. Let me know if it helps.